Hello, my name is Ian Aber, and this is Straight People. Welcome to my guest uh, this week is Rara Emler. Hello, Rara. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. You doing great? Yeah. Uh, you're a local comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a visual artist too, aren't you? I, yeah, I dabble in the visual arts. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you're a Guamanian. You're Chamorro. Yes, I am. Uh, Proud Chamorro. Proud Chamorro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you identify? I identify as bisexual. Ooh, yeah. bisexual. It's mm-hmm. like, I think that's the favorite flavor of straight people. Yeah. I've had more bisexual people <laughs> on than anything else. Um, so that's amazing. So, Rara, you and I have known each other for what, like about two or three years, I feel like? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they you were, you were, you'd come and visit. Yeah. How long have you been in Atlanta? Um, actually, like almost two years. Almost yeah. two years? All right. Awesome. Uh, and so tell me a little bit about, like, so when did you know you weren't straight? So, like, you, you're bi now, mm, yeah. and that's usually kind of a journey to kind of realize that. Because, like, it's easy to yeah. know whether you're gay or straight, but it yeah. sometimes takes a minute to figure out your bi. So, like, when did you yeah. know as a child that you, like, something's up? Um, I would say probably, like, one of my earliest memories is being, like, really attracted to the female fairy in Fern Gully. Okay. Um, she was so hot. She had, like, the Susie Sue hair and everything. Um, <laughs> I just remember watching, like, like watching TV and watching, uh, like, movies and then just, like, being really attracted to the women in it, especially, like, yeah. action movies. I okay. think, like, like, you know, Terminator. And, so, like, tough ladies, like Linda Hamilton. Yeah, yeah like, I okay. was, like, really into, like, those tough ladies. And I was, and I realized probably in like middle school that it wasn't just like me admiring them like you didn't like you didn't want to be them you want to be with them yeah well it was like a combination of like both yeah yeah Yeah. and i would like i would obsessively like scrapbook pictures of like hot ladies yeah it's so funny (laughs) that you say linda hamilton and here you are in a white tank top some muscle some blonde hair and a ponytail and a ponytail yeah i'm not consciously you are giving me some terminator too right now honey thank you that's funny okay well that's awesome and so so, uh, so from from thought to action, how that how that happened for you? Um, I mean, you know, there was like school schoolyard girl kisses and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I feel like every kind of elementary school kid goes through with like that that little like you know innocent exploration kind of thing. Um, but my first like really gay experience was probably when I was like fifteen and I like made out with one of my best friends when we were drunk. Yeah. And then I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and they were very straight. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of like didn't, I wasn't really out because I didn't have like a lot of um, lesbian or bisexual friends. I had some gay friends, but yeah. I, you know, I didn't also, you know, being a woman and being a femme woman who's friends with other femme women, um, it was a little bit harder because I didn't want to freak out my straight friends, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, didn't, I wasn't fully out until I was about 19. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a little, like, I don't know if that's late blooming necessarily. No, not necessarily. I mean, it's yeah. like if you knew early. Yeah, then, I knew you know, pretty early. Yeah. And then you kind of get on your own. It's like mm-hmm. it's one of those first things when you're on your own that, you know, it's like you control, you know, you know when you're controlling your own destiny, it's a lot easier to say who you want to sleep with and <laughs> yeah. you know, make breakfast for in the morning and those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you are also a socialist. Well, I am in a Democratic 
uh, Socialists of America. I'm a part of that organization. I am more closely aligned to communist, but that okay. freaks people out. So I tell them socialist. Okay. Well, tell, <laughs> let's talk about that. Tell, tell me, tell me like if I'm somebody who, you know what? Capitalism is not doing it for me. Yeah. Sell me on some communism. Sell me on socialism. How would so, that look in our country? And- so basically like the, the best way I can simplify socialism. And I forgot who once told me this, but I felt like it was a really straightforward explanation is that there are some things in society that should not be monetized, like healthcare and education and, you know, the prison system. Like those things we should not be able to make capital from because they are they have a very specific function in society. Yeah. And once you tarnish that with trying to make money off of it, it becomes um, less about human advancement and, you know, and social justice and yeah. more about, like, what can people do get me and it's a very like and we become the products of those we become yeah we become products as opposed to like our own autonomous you know individual people contributing to a greater good so i that that's like the best way i can describe it for people that like have no idea yeah 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 and why is that so terrifying to be (laughs) to be to be like a product yeah well no the notion of socialism in general seems to be um terrifying to to the like that's the new that's the new buzzword so if you watch the news at all Mm -hmm. it's that the um you know what democrats are socialists what democrats are capitalist mm-hmm. and that's what they're really focusing on this last yeah. couple of months before the election yeah that kind of thing so there's so there's a lot of reasons why I think socialism is such a scary word and I think a lot of it is like leftover cold war era like anti-red propaganda yeah. um, because we were you know we were in a we were in a war with the Soviet Union and there was a lot of propaganda surrounding like what communism and socialism actually was. Yeah. Um, and it was all like pretty negative, bad stuff. And actually like, it was also had like anti-communist propaganda also has like its roots in like racist theory, Yeah. you know, because they didn't want to encourage black people to be communists or socialists because, you know, communism, especially it, it relies on the fact that there has to be a kind of revolution and upheaval of, you know, like the current system in order for there to be like a more stable, like justice, like focused and, you know, community-based system. And they were terrified of black people realizing that and rising up against it, (laughs) (laughs) which is why like, you know, um, yeah, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of like really nefarious things you'll hear about communism and socialism and a lot of like internet communists and socialists that don't help that image. I might be one of them. I don't know. Um, but for the most part, I think it is leftover Cold War era, like, spook tactics, yeah. basically. So as a modern socialist or modern communist, mm-hmm. like, what are your, uh, what goals do you have? How does it, how does, how does socialism and communism and capitalism play into, like, the heteronormative patriarchy is something I've always wondered. Like, is it mm-hmm. really, like, I mean, basically, you like the, the to me, the socialism in the United States is that they subsidize you having children. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like to be straight is to be paid by the government and in some yeah. capacity. Yeah, because you know, if you're when you are procreating, you're making another consumer. Yeah, and um, there is like it's 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 such a complex question too because. Um, historically, communism and socialism hasn't done a great job of addressing the needs of, uh, you know, the queer community yeah. um, and has sometimes played a part in oppressing them. So that as like modern 
like communists and socialists, we are really like aware of and like in moving forward. And like to be to be quite honest, like there's a lot of LGBTQ uh, people in the current like left movements that I've been part of. Um, But it plays into it because, you know, um, like, for example, like. This is a really difficult question. You might want to cut it if I don't give a good enough explanation. But like, for example, um, just on the patriarchal side, not like not even touching on heteronormative yeah. patriarchy, but on the patriarchal side, um, when women were expected to kind of fall in line with a like us, you know, even now falling in line with a specific set of behaviors and a specific like set of like things they could and couldn't, you know, participate in. Um, and that was very much uh, upheld by the idea that men were in control of the capital, therefore were in control of women who didn't make capital. Yeah. And like who didn't like who didn't quote unquote contribute. And all they did was like child rear. Like, you know. All they did. And, yeah, all they did. Exactly. <laughs> and um and you know, even now in modern society, like child rearing and homemaking is not considered like work it's considered, you know, like, it's, like, considered a luxury to be able to stay home and, like, yeah. you know, take care of kids. And it's, like, no. <laughs> uh, it's it's stressful. It's stressful. I mean, I you know, my mom's a single mom, and she raised three of us. And, you know, it, she can tell you all about that, yeah. <laughs> about, about how much work that is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, so it—, it, it you might want to cut this. I don't know. Like, I wish I could, like, answer this better. No, you're answering it just yeah. fine. So, I think. I don't know. Mom, what do you think? You right. like that answer? Yeah, okay, we'll keep good. it. I'm sure yeah. I'll get a bunch of emails from my leftist friends. Like, this is what you should have said, but it's fine. That's fine. And that's totally, then you can come back and tell and me. And then I'll direct said. them to you. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll be like, hey. you can go on the Yeah, podcast. absolutely. I'm into it. Like, yeah. and the, this is something that like, I mean, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know the last time I thought and contemplated mm-hmm. what I think about socialism. Do you, mm-hmm. know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we, it, we're, we're already the benefits of socialism as far as I'm, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, mm-hmm. we could either become more socialist Mm-hmm. Or less socialist, but we're already there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like all, like not even just New Deal, but like mm-hmm. everything in our lives is subsidized in some capacity. The yeah. food we eat is, you know, like our the time. farmers. Our, the time. Every yeah. every little moment is. I mean, like we look get at, tax returns for you know, if yeah. you get a tax refund, you're being subsidized by the government. Yeah, you know? and then like they're your supposed, whole, they're supposedly your whole giving identity you your, your money is, back, uh, but it's like, yeah. but all of those things that you get. Uh, you know, all of your deductions are, are like grants, basically, the government's mm-hmm. giving you to give you that money back. Yeah. So it's, yeah. In my mind, that's what I look at it. So it's like, you know, when somebody's like, oh, you know, we're a, we're a democratic republic. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, with a lot of socialist programs. Yeah. And all. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. The know. thing is that the things that people call socialist programs are just, you know, that's just like basic stuff that you get with taxes. Like, that's yeah. just, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. And I, I just hate the idea, like a good example is the $717 billion defense budget that got approved. And then we have these same like Democrats that helped approve that budget saying that we can't, like universal healthcare is never going to happen. And it's like, are yeah. you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like that's, it's insane because it's like when it comes to war and oppression and imperialism, we always have enough money for that. But when it comes to like, you know, basic things in society like health, not even access to health care, but actual health care and, you know, uh, and like schools and things like that, like infrastructure. That's always the things that get kind of tossed aside. And But when it comes to war, there's no questions ever about like why we need that much money for it. <laughs> and like, and that's another like, you know, 
tool of oppression too is because if we're uphold like through war and imperialism if we're upholding the current status quo we're like hurting oppressed peoples in in marginalized communities everywhere else and that includes lgbtq people especially oh, who are already struggling like yeah. can you imagine being like a queer person in like I don't know, like in Iraq, like yeah. that was like, it's like the worst, <laughs> the worst kind of feeling for all you're getting bombed and you're getting like, you know, marginalized by your own community in the larger aspect. I mean, yeah. you know, that's a generalization. I don't want to say like all of Iraq is like, you know, homophobic or anything. I but. don't know. Khaled is from Syria and he told his, his mom told him stories about the village homosexual <laughs> in oh, the village that they're shit. from <laughs> called, his name is Zuzu. And Zuzu, Zuzu like, uh, as long as you didn't say anything about sleeping with Zuzu and you kept it quiet. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Zuzu was allowed to kind of like be around. Yeah. Um, but was also this character that was like tragic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't know, the town sissy, the way they have it. <laughs> like, you know, and like these southern towns. It's not that yeah. different, maybe, you know, I don't know. But that, yeah. but I definitely hear what you're saying. Um, so do you talk about any of that in your comedy? I don't know if I've ever heard you really get into politics per se. Um, I it's it's one of those things where if it does pop up, like it pops up, but I rarely ever use the actual words like communist or socialist. Yeah. I did have a joke once and I was like, yeah, I'm a like bisexual communist. Uh, and like it never went off like well. Yeah. Like it was like, it was only I could really imagine risky. you doing that like an Alpharetta, just like, <laughs> yeah. just white women's ovaries exploding. I know, like- yeah. And it, uh, but it, like it does work sometimes, but I've stopped using the actual word. Yeah. Um, and I feel like my politics kind of come through and like the things that I'm concerned about. Like yeah. I have a jo- I have a job about working for rich people and like yeah. working like having to interact with rich rich people all day yeah. and how like shitty that is. Yeah. Um, and you know, and like the thing is, is like that's something that everyone can relate to. Like, Absolutely. You know, and so I rich think, people are you pro rich people or con rich people? Uh, guillotine them all. I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's Redistribute funny. their wealth. Some to people the poor. love. Like so, like if you're not rich, mm-hmm. you're you're either one way or the other about rich people. Yeah, you're that you're that person that can be a rich person's friend, right? And like they, you know, the rich person gets to do most of the talking, <laughs> and you know what I mean. Like it's like you have those kind of well, friendships. And I'm like, when I say rich, I'm like, like like you know, like one percenter. But yeah. there's obviously people like people that I don't, don't know. You need mean that people much. in Atlanta who are rich. Oh, and it's yes, like, yeah. I mean, they are some. Of I mean, the worst people. Yeah, they're absolutely horrible. <laughs> I mean, like. I'd say, like, anyone you're thinking of that you're probably friends with is probably just, like, upper middle class, which yeah. is pretty close to being awful. Yeah. Um, and I've met a lot of upper well, middle those, class people that are pretty The people I think of the most are the ones whose parents are the ones who are super rich. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, Or yeah, grandma. Yeah. Those are honestly yeah, the worst grandmother. people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are um, kind of There's the a lot people. of that. And there's a lot of that in comedy, too. Yeah. And some of those people are fine, but the when, the, when they're bad, it's like, oof. You know You can mean? tell, like, people's <laughs> class privilege really comes out in situations where there's, like, mixed... There's like a lot of mixing, and yeah. like comedy is one of those things. Oh yeah, like and you know everyone, everyone's from a different background. Yeah, everyone, everyone does comedy, yeah, and yeah. it's like you can kind of tell the people like people will react differently to someone that's just like, man, my Corvette's in the shop, da da da, and then everyone's just looking. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like I'm doing a joke about how I'm like going broke from hospital bills. Like fuck you, but like they they quickly realize like what they can and can't say because yeah. you either lean into it. Like yeah. I think I feel like Natasha Leggero is a good example of that. Like yeah. she really leans into like the bougie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like she's but a she makes bitch. herself sort of the. She's the. She's the antagonist of her own story, so it's yeah, like, yeah. she's not the She's, she's not the really hero. self-aware, but yeah, if you're yeah. not self-aware of your class privilege, then you come off like a complete 
like asshole. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. nobody wants to listen to that. <laughs> but there's the opposite where. But you could know, you imagine like Natasha Legero just open micing in Atlanta, <laughs> like day one open micing in Atlanta? Like how much resistance would she get? Not just from the comics, <laughs> oh but God, the audience yeah. in Atlanta would be like they wouldn't have it. They yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. They would just be like whatever. Yeah. It's but like, like, but her as the star in a big theater. Perfect, perfection, yeah, right? Yeah. But just imagine the idea if, oh, like tomorrow, you're just going to pivot on a dime and you're going to be rich bitch. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that was yeah. your new persona. <laughs> that was Could my you new imagine? Thing. Like oh people would just be like, I mean, the laughs would be all about like how crazy it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but you know what's so crazy <laughs> is there's like the opposite end of that is like, um, I almost said Carrie the label guy. Larry- <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to yeah. Andrew Wright, everybody. <laughs> Check out, out Andrew Wright and Larry the Cable Guy. I can't like not say that. <laughs> I now. know, right? Um, but another example is Larry the Cable Guy, <laughs> yeah. who actually went from being kind of like a straight laced like normie comedian to being like the redneck comedian without like sleeves on and shit. Yeah, and that like says a lot about um, how poor people actually shape culture yeah. and and shape a lot of the things we think about without even, like, people really, like, realizing it because he, like, captured, like, he has fans, like, of all kind of walks of life, but he, like, specifically appealed to, like, poor communities and poor communities are the kind of people that bolstered his career. Like, Absolutely. it wasn't it wasn't fucking rich people. Yeah. It was, like, people, it was, like, rednecks. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it that's was, the like, same thing, like, Southern Mama and Darren Knight. You know, yeah. with them? It's the same, same style of comedy. Yeah. Um, and it's the same base, which yeah. is, like, those people don't show up for regular stand-up. They're, yeah. They show up. For oh, it sounds like us. It sounds like you, Mama. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean, like that. Oh, yeah. they like Mountain Dew too. Oh, yeah. you know. And then somewhere in the middle is kind of like uh, most most comedians yeah. who are just kind of like. I mean, I, I I find it kind of sad when people pretend that comedy like they're making money off of comedy <laughs> and like they're just doing that because like, for a long time it was like. I got the mentality. I was like, yeah, fake it till you make it. But it yeah. was like to me, that's not really interesting to like pretend that everything's going great with comedy Absolutely. and that like it's my main deal. Yeah. Um I think it's funnier to just address like, hey, I'm a struggling artist. Um this is what I have to deal with when I'm not doing comedy. Yeah. Like that I think that's more interesting and I think more people can relate to it cuz like a lot of people that enjoy comedy um, enjoy a lot of other forms of entertainment or are entertainers in their own right. Yeah. And they can relate to that like struggle of like, you're just trying to pay your bills, but you're also trying to do something creative, you know? So it's like, I think that is a little bit more my speed of just like addressing those people like right in the middle. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you've done, have you done Fest? Have you done? Yeah, I did Fest about, I think I did Fest like three times Three now. times? Yeah. Tell me about that. I've heard about it a few times and Fest I've heard good, is it good and bad? I've heard kind of good and bad <laughs> things about it. I was really resistant to it when I first moved to Gainesville, Florida. Um, but Describe I, what it is first. So, oh, okay. So Fest, for those who don't know, is, um, it's like a punk rock festival that takes place in Gainesville, Florida every year at the end of October. Um, and they have a comedy showcase, which has been going on for a pretty long time. Uh, Kyle Kinane was headlining it a whole bunch. Um, and then he like switches off with some other LA comics like Chris Gethard and, um, uh, like Alan Strickland Williams and all those guys. Um, and I was on it about three times in the showcase portion for the comedy showcase portion. And it's a big punk rock festival. It's like happens over the course of one weekend and it's like every, uh, smelly, gross, <laughs> fucked up, weird, cool, like awesome and interesting person you can imagine filters into town and the whole place smells like PBR and tacos <laughs> for a weekend. 
Um, and it's just like a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun and like it happens every year. So you see a lot of the same people come back every year. Like yeah. it's a tradition. And how have your sets been? You've had a good time with them? Yeah. Or? I've I only had good sets at, at Fest, which is crazy because they, the showcases start at like noon, like in the afternoon. Oh, wow. And I've been going, and I would always go up like earlier because I was one of the locals. I didn't yeah. have to travel very far for it. Um, it was like actually just like right down the street from my house, the venue. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, great. I rolled out of bed. That's awesome. After like you know hanging out till seven in the morning and then I go to this noon show um <laughs> and uh and it's always been like a full like almost full house every yeah. time I've done it which is crazy and it's gotten like a reputation like people specifically like get up and get out of bed you know to come and watch this comedy showcase nice. yeah it's it's a lot of fun nice and so like in Atlanta have you I don't know if you've run any show you've uh you've I run did, anything yet or I did um so I'm 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 a co-host co-producer of Nerdlanta oh yeah 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 right. um I'm like a little bit more hand, hands off with that that thing um but I'm like I do like help out. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a horrible co-producer. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> um, but uh, I also do a fundraiser every once in a while for DSA, for the yeah. local chapter. It's called Fistful of Laughs. Yeah. And it's to benefit the brake light clinic that we do. It's a free brake light clinic for all the residents of Atlanta. They okay. come and get their brake lights fixed. Oh, nice. And how yeah. frequently do you guys do the brake light clinic? They've, I think, had two so far, and they're doing their third one later this month, if I'm not mistaken. And is that to help people, like, basically avoid being... Yeah, it's to reduce interaction with cops, basically, nice. specifically, for marginalized people who might be more targeted than nice, others. Nice. Um, and also just to kind of like build awareness of our organization and do something that directly helps the community, yeah. um, which I feel like is not something that the Democratic Party has necessarily been good at. Yeah. Especially like So in DSA, Atlanta. again, what does that stand for? Uh, Democratic Socialists of America. America, yeah, and, and then, there's an Atlanta chapter? Yeah, there's a Metro Atlanta chapter. How big is it? We have, ooh, I don't really know our exact n numbers. I know that nat uh, nationally we have 47,000 members. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it's been around since, I want to say, uh, in its current iteration, like the 60s, like the national chapter. Yeah. I think that's when they, like, had the name that they had now. Um, I could be wrong about that. But, yeah, it's really cool. Like, we just, we do, like, training workshops. Um, we have organizer meetings. We have little mixers where you yeah. can come and meet people and just kind of, like, chill out. Nice. Yeah, it's like... It's fun. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. And it's like, it's a really good way of kind of like lot, getting uh, your issues out there and like, yeah. you know. Is it a mix of like straight and Um, Stacey Abrams. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we're really excited about her. Yeah, me too. She is great. Yeah. <laughs> the things about they're doing with her debt, it's just absurd to me. It's, it's I, so That makes ridiculous. me like her more. Like, well, I'm just like, like you have do, debt? Hell yeah. But all the people who, so like all the people who are ragging on her debt, do they not have debt? Is that what this is? Yeah, you know that, that doesn't make like, me like those people anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like is, are, they, are you telling me that the people running against her all don't have any debt? Because yeah. if that's the case, I'm never voting for those people. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they have, like, so nothing you have no, in common. Yeah, I mean, you have no skin yeah. in the game. Like, yeah, you exactly. literally don't. Do you not have monthly bills? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, unrelatable, completely unrelatable. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the same attacks you were seeing um, on. Ocasio-Cortez yeah. in New York and how yeah. like, oh, she's just a bartender from the Bronx. And it's like, um, excuse me, I used to be a bartender yeah. uh, and I'm fucking totally fine with her being a congresswoman. Yeah, like, absolutely. That like it, It's just like, that's like a level of classism. I'm really at the point where you can just let anybody be, like anybody <laughs> other than like an old, dusty, straight white dude. Yeah. Just for a, a year or two. Yeah. I mean, come on, let everybody have a turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like... 
They're so worried. They're so worried about losing any kind of power that they'll just grasp onto anything. But the problem is with with that is when you ha- when you see those attacks on people politically. Yeah. Is it really does shine a light on people's privilege? Oh, absolutely. Because it's just like you know you have all these like lib- like so called liberal like pundits that coming coming for okay Ocasio Cortez for being yeah. a bartender and going to like and you know not as good of a like not an Ivy League school or something and you're like fuck you yeah, like absolutely. why should we why are we requiring our elected leaders to be so far removed from the reality that so many people face like yeah. that's that's it should be people that come from well like, it's the same thing it's below. like you know especially like an like people with the Ivy League schools mm-hmm. it's like the percentage of people who come out of those schools is always going to be insignificant compared to the rest of the population yeah so if the rest of the population would just not give a shit that you went to Harvard I mean I don't I don't I, could give I don't a fuck. I've met a bunch of fucking idiots that come yeah. from Ivy League and even the people who act like they, they're like oh yeah it's, it's no big deal well then why are you bringing it up all the time I'm never bringing yeah. it up you know what I mean yeah <laughs> like, I mean I it's being like being Ivy League, it's probably, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say like, yeah, their schools suck, but like it's for most people not meaningful. Yeah. But like, I feel like there is this kind of undercurrent of like being annoyed with those people. Yeah. And it's like, it's starting to happen more and more and more. And I'm seeing it a lot on the internet. Um, because it used to be like where you'd be like, ooh, Ivy League people, cool. Like, oh yeah, you went to Harvard. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I think like it's changing now. Like it's oh, for it, sure. and it because especially when you look at tuition rates and you yeah. realize like anyone going to an Ivy League school, like you could send like ten people to a state state college yeah, for that exactly. money. So it's just a waste. Yeah. Well, it's also it's like it's kind of the sign of the times. It's like mm-hmm. the bigger the gap in wealth. So it's like mm-hmm. the it's not just that there's a statistically small amount of people who go to that. Mm-hmm. It's a from a pool of people who are eligible for it. Yeah. Um, and the ones who uh, probably get it that deserve it the most are the ones who are getting in the scholarships mm-hmm. because they're the ones who are actually qualifying for all of the bits to get in. Yeah. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just, it drives me crazy. Like anytime I meet somebody who's like, you know, oh, I went to Princeton, I went to this, and I'm just like, I don't. <laughs> it's like, first of all, it's like that was 20 years ago. What yeah. do I care? <laughs> you know, oh, you say sociology in Princeton. Great. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's I awesome. I mean, I like, I don't want to knock anyone's education, but I mean, it, I it is a. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's obnoxious. It's definitely obnoxious. Um, and also just like people that are getting into those schools, like um, it's only a really small percentage of people getting into those schools are like coming from the bottom, you know, yeah, like yeah, like starting from the bottom now that they're Ivy. <laughs> uh, and a lot of them are just there by connection, by by virtue of just being born into a certain family and yeah. like having that connection. It's just system which is just that's like being fulfilled. Yeah, which is just obviously so wrong. And I think that more people are realizing that, which yeah. is awesome. So hopefully this podcast alone will start the revolution that overthrows oh my God, all of these systems. Incredible. That'd be amazing. But in the in the event that it's not, and we're yeah. still trapped in the heteronormative mm-hmm. patriarchy, let me ask you some of my dumb questions that I like to ask at the end of the show. Okay. Uh, straight people, about straight people. Okay. Um, what do straight people like to eat? Um, because what's a straight meal? Um, a straight up straight meal. A straight meal is like unseasoned pork chops with like canned peas and carrots. <laughs> All right, and what are you drinking with that? What's the what's uh, the straight as a drink? Straight person, what I'm drinking with that is like probably a Coors Light. Coors Light. Yeah. I'd say skim milk, but Skim milk. Yeah, your kids haven't skim. Kids haven't skim Skim's milk. Get, yeah. yeah, Kim get the skim. <laughs> um Kim gets skim. Okay. Uh what is a straight what's like straight uh, what's a straight song? 
Oh, what's the straightest like? It's the straight uh, people are like, we're fucking tonight. Old, cr- old crow medicine show. <laughs> <laughs> Is that who sings Wagon Wheel? Oh uh, no, Rock Me Mama. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think okay. Yeah, Rock Me Mama. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's how they rhythm. Like they, that's how they sync up when they're Is doing it, it the missionary a- style. The Appalachian missionary style. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, tell people where they can find you. Um, you can find me ranting about everything and anything on Twitter at Island Goss or on Instagram where I'm mostly pictures of my cat and other people's animals. Um, and that's Rara from Guam. Okay, awesome. Well, this has been Straight People. That's been Rara. I'm Ian Aber. Uh, continue to listen. Hey, subscribe and maybe rate us or something or buy a t-shirt. I don't know. Some Just do something, okay? Just do something. <laughs>I was talking to this guy and he said, have you ever heard of bold koi? And I looked at him. Yeah, I just looked at him. I don't know.